ours is a society governed by rules. We have laws. We have rules. We, we have law and order, right? That's, that's the society in which we live. When the financial chaos happened, if you'll remember back in 2008, some of us remember it more than others, uh, a lot of people pointed to the fact that over the previous 20 years, a lot of the, the rules and the regulations that had been put into place to keep the banks and the lending institutions from acting irresponsibly, a lot of those laws had been quietly put aside. The politicians had all been told that the laws were too restrictive, and in order for our economy to really flourish, we needed to be risk takers, and we needed to reward those who were taking the risk. And so everybody went along with it right off the edge of the cliff. And when that happened, everybody was screaming, we got to put the rules back in place. We need more laws. We need more regulations. We need to tighten everything up. Well, that was almost 25 years ago, and we know it's not much more than a cycle Think about the rules that we have for driving. Like, you can't drive while you're talking on the phone. But it's okay to drive while you're eating a cheeseburger or reading a newspaper or changing a CD or applying your makeup. That's okay. Just don't talk on the phone. Think about all the rules that we've got to follow just to get on an airplane. And the x-rays and the screenings and the metal detectors and the searches and the handbags and the belts and the purses and the laptops. It's like trying to get into a Rockhounds game. You know, it's kind of the same, same deal. Rules. We have a lot of rules. N.T. Wright wrote a book called After You Believe. And in this book, he recounts a conversation that he had with one of these senior bankers in 2009. This banker had been caught up in that financial mess, and his life was in chaos, and he was trying to figure out how to fix things. And so this is what he said to Tom Wright. He said, keeping rules is okay as far as it goes, but the real problem is that we've lost the sense that character matters, that integrity matters. The system is only healthy when the people who are running it are people you can trust to do the right thing. Not because there are rules, but because that's the kind of people they are. Act 5 of the story of God is the church, the proclaimed kingdom. This is where we are right now today in the great epic drama of God's salvation story. Act 5 is, is now, when all of us are on the stage. You know, the curtains are up, the spotlights are on, and now all of us, you and I, God's church, we're on the stage in the story of God, and we've got lines to say, and we've got an important role to play. God's church was established by the Holy Spirit on the day of Pentecost to proclaim the good news of salvation from God in Christ and the ultimate lordship of Jesus. We're telling the nations, that's our call, to tell the nations that God has come here in the flesh and blood of Jesus to inaugurate the kingdom of God and to forgive and redeem and restore all of creation and every man, woman, and child on this earth. One of the ways we do that is with our words. We literally proclaim the good news with our mouths. Remember last Sunday, if we're, if we're boiling the message down to three lines, I think those lines are, Jesus is Lord, God is fixing everything, 
and you need to get in on it. And last Sunday, we considered how God's Holy Spirit gives us the power to make that proclamation with our lips. But we also proclaim the ultimate lordship of Jesus with our lives. And the Holy Spirit is responsible for that too. If the proclamation of the kingdom of God is that Jesus is Lord and God is fixing everything, that proclamation will spring from our transformed lives. Our changed lives are the evidence of God's power. It's, it's the proof of our Lord's victory. Our lives are a testimony. What we do matters. How we behave says to the world exactly how we feel about Jesus as Lord. But you're not going to live that kind of a life by keeping a bunch of rules. You cannot legislate transformation. It's the Holy Spirit who changes us. 2 Thessalonians chapter 2 says, From the beginning, God chose you to be saved through the sanctifying work of the Spirit and through belief in the truth. He called you to this through the gospel that you might share in the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, rules do matter, okay? The commands are important, but they're not the main thing. You can tell people they need to obey the Christian command to be generous, to be a giving people, right? Jesus said it's better to give than to receive. But if somebody gives you a gift only because she's obeying a command or only because she's fulfilling a duty, well, then the whole glory of gift giving, the whole beauty of blessing somebody else's life because your life has been blessed by them or by God, all of that is lost, God came to us in Jesus Christ. God has poured out his spirit on us, not to give us rules, but to change our lives. Because a changed life makes a powerful proclamation. It's not rule following. Turn with me to Mark 10. I want you to look at this. Mark chapter 10. We're going to be here for a couple of minutes. In Mark 10, you know this story. You've got this rich young guy who runs up to Jesus, it says. He runs to Jesus. And he says, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Now, when this guy says eternal life, he's not talking about going up to heaven in the sky when I die. That's to a first century Jew, that's not what eternal life is. Eternal life means the end of the age. When God finally makes everything right. When God finally brings heaven and earth together, when God is here and his kingdom will is done on earth just as it is in heaven, that's what this guy means. When that happens, I want to be there. So what do I need to be doing now so that I can live with God forever in the future? Now, this guy was keeping all the commands, right? Jesus starts listing the Ten Commandments. You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. And the guy says, yes, I'm obeying all of that. I always have. What else do I need to do? Again, this guy's keeping all the commands. This guy is obeying all the rules. But he senses there's got to be more. There's got to be more to this than just dotting the I's and crossing the T's. There's got to be more to this than just keeping commandments. And Jesus says, yeah, there is. Verse 21, 
Go sell everything you have and give it to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come follow me. This young guy wanted his life to be right. He wants to live correctly now so he can live with God forever in the future. And he knows he's lacking something. And Jesus says, yes, you are. You need to turn everything inside out. Your whole life needs to become part of a larger, more outward-looking orientation. You need to put the kingdom of God first. You need to put the needs of your neighbors, especially your poor neighbors, Put them ahead of your own needs. And that's the challenge, right? You don't just add a few commandments. You don't just follow some some additional rules so you can raise the moral bar a little higher. Jesus says, you've got to become a whole different kind of person altogether. You've got to have a transformed life. Notice just a few verses before this story, okay? Same chapter 10 in Mark. Some Pharisees are asking Jesus about divorce. And to answer the question, Jesus goes back to creation. He goes back to act one of the story of God. He goes back to this pattern of God's kingdom, back to God's original design for the male-female relationship. He says, if you're married, you need to stay married, right? At the beginning, this is in uh, verse 6, at the beginning of creation, God made them male and female. For this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. Jesus is quoting Genesis 2. So they are no longer two, but one. Therefore, what God has joined together, let no one separate. Now, right after the rich man's story, you've got James and John at the end of Mark 10 asking if they can sit by Jesus on his throne in his coming kingdom. And Jesus gives them an answer that goes right to the heart of God's original intent for how human power should be used. Verse 42, he says, you know that those who are regarded as rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them and their high officials exercise authority over them. Not so with you. That is not how we do things in the kingdom of God. Instead, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant, and whoever wants to be first must be slave of all. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life. So in one chapter, Mark chapter 10, Jesus addresses back to back to back three really big issues, marriage and money and power. And he reframes all of it, not in terms of rules and laws and commands, but in terms of character, in terms of a changed life. Because a changed life testifies to the real realities, the true realities Church, we're living in a new world now. By the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus, he is Lord. And through the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus, God is fixing everything. And we've got to get in on that. That's the reality, brothers and sisters, and it impacts everything. It affects what I think and what I say and how I react and how I respond That reality impacts all of my relationships. It impacts how I'm connected to my stuff. And all of that, all of that is transformed 
by the true reality. Tell me this, what is the most valuable possession in the rich man's house? Is it his Van Gogh painting hanging in the living room or is it the rubber life raft he keeps in the garage? Well, it depends on if the dam has broken or not. Right? Y'all with me? If the reality changes, your priorities change. Amen? Listen, the reality has changed. You know, you see these uh, strip centers, these little strip shopping centers. You know what I'm talking about? And you see some of these and you just, there's death written all over them, right? Like it's, a, it's, it's got 12 storefronts and maybe a nail salon, an insurance office, and maybe there's a, a, like a computer repair store and then eight or nine empty stores inside you know, and there's weeds in the alley and there's broken glass on the sidewalks. There's only one or two cars in the parking lot. Would you invest in a thing like this? Would you invest your time or your money or your energy in a thing like this? No, it's not dead, but it's about to die and there ain't nothing bringing it back, right? You could invest in this, but it'd be the end of you. It's a bad investment. Listen, you can invest in the values and the powers and the structures and the ways that this world works, you can, but it'll be the end of you. Because the ways of this world and the structures and the powers and the systems, they're all fading away. It's got death written all over it. It's not long, right? You can invest in it, but it's a bad investment. Just like this strip shopping center. Jesus tells a story about the guy who finds the hidden treasure. Remember? He sells all his possessions so he can buy the field where the treasure is. He tells a story about the, the pearl of great price. You know, the guy sells everything he owns. Why? So he can now own the pearl of great price. That's the kingdom of God. What used to be really important to me isn't important anymore. And what I never gave a second thought about now is the most important thing in the whole world. The eternal kingdom of God has been inaugurated. Jesus is Lord. And we proclaim that reality by our changed lives. And a changed life is controlled by the Holy Spirit. You know this in Galatians 5. Verse 16 says, live by the Spirit. Verse 17, the sinful nature desires what is contrary to the spirit and the spirit what is contrary to the sinful nature. They are in conflict with each other. Verse 18, but you are led by the spirit. You are not under law. Verse 22, the fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things... There is no law. Verse 25, since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Listen, there's no law that can change your life. Only God's Spirit can change your life. Only the Holy Spirit can transform you. Not commands, not laws. That's why when Paul encourages Philemon to welcome his runaway slave Onesimus back to him as a brother, he appeals to the love of Christ in Philemon's heart. He doesn't appeal to law or commands or to rules. That's why Paul prohibits lawsuits among disciples of Jesus. He says, wouldn't you rather be wronged? 
Wouldn't you rather be cheated? Why? Because our priorities are different now. It's better to be cheated personally than to blow any chance you have of proclaiming the kingdom of God. Remember when Peter refused, I know this is a hard word, but I didn't write it, okay? And remember when Peter, when he refused to eat with the Gentiles in public, Paul called him on it, remember? He said, you're not living in step with the Spirit. Your life is not proclaiming the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Dietrich Bonhoeffer had a rule in his confessing church at Finkenwald. His rule was, no member of this community of faith can say out loud the name of any other member of this community of faith. Even if you're saying something nice and positive and complimentary, you can't say anybody else's name out loud unless they're in the room to hear it themselves. Man, that did away with gossip, right? It's out the window, right? That's, that's the deal. Even gossip in the name of prayer. And you know what I'm talking about with that. The truth of the gospel the reality that Jesus is Lord now and, and God is fixing everything, that reality has to order and shape our lives. Yeah, I understand that, Alan, but, but, but you've got to understand this year only, I've got to cheat a little bit on my income tax. I just, I have to. Over the last three years, it hadn't been good. I haven't made the kind of money I've needed to make and I really don't have a choice. I mean, I'm not doing what other people don't do. I mean, it's just, I've either got to cheat and fudge a little bit on a couple of lines on my return, or I've got to overbill most of my customers. I can only do one of those two things. I don't have a choice. Listen to me. You have a choice, okay? The Holy Spirit of God lives inside you. There are lots of options here. How about selling your car? How about downsizing your house? How about saying no to the summer cruise? How about canceling the membership? You hear what I'm saying? There's a lot of different options when the Holy Spirit lives inside you to proclaim to the world Jesus is Lord over every dime that goes in and out of my pockets. Amen. Jesus is Lord. I hear you, Alan, but my girlfriend and I, just for a while, just for a while, we need to have sex. Now, we're going to get married. We're engaged. We're going to get married in about a year and a half, but right now, we have to have sex. I'm a red-blooded American male. What am I supposed to do? If we don't have sex, I'm going to have to use pornography to relieve, relieve things. Is that what you want? It's one of those two things. I got to do one of the two. I don't have a choice. Listen to me. You have a choice. Lots of choices. How about abstaining? You ever thought of that? How about just not letting your personal urges and your personal desires be the Lord over your body and mind? How about you and your girlfriend both getting together and submitting to the lordship of Jesus and proclaiming that Jesus is Lord over every square inch of my body that he created and that he paid for with a heavy price on the cross. There are lots of ways to proclaim that Jesus is Lord. Alan, I hear you. But I've already decided I've got to call the cops on those homeless people who are meeting at the park by my house. They're gathering up there, and I don't have a choice. If I don't call the cops, then I'll start a petition or something to get some laws changed. We have to do something. I've, I can do one of those two things. No, you have a lot of choices here. How about praying for or with the people in the park? How about taking them some plates of food? How about delivering some blankets? The Holy Spirit lives inside you. There are lots of options 
for deciding to serve instead of being served, for putting the needs of others ahead of your own, for giving up your rights instead of asserting your rights. There are lots of ways to proclaim to the world that Jesus is Lord over the ways I use my influence and my power. Can I get an amen? Amen. All right. God's Holy Spirit lives inside you. God has graciously given you his Holy Spirit to change you so that your life can be a proclamation of the Lordship of Jesus. Romans chapter 8 says, those who live in accordance with the Spirit have their minds set on what the Spirit desires. The mind of sinful man is death, but the mind controlled by the Spirit is life and peace. Verse 8, those controlled by the sinful nature cannot please God. You, however, you, people who belong to God, people who are saved by Jesus, people who are indwelled by the Holy Spirit. You are not controlled by the sinful nature, but by the Spirit. If the Spirit of God lives in you, and if Christ is in you, verse 10, your spirit is alive because of righteousness. And if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who lives in you. Verse 14, because those who are led by the Spirit of God are children of God. Listen, proclamation means bearing witness. It means you're giving testimony. And if you're not experiencing a changed life, then the kingdom of God and the lordship of Christ is just like a theory for you. Right? You don't know if it's true or not. If you're not transformed... How do you know it works? If the gospel is not transforming you, then how do you know it'll transform anybody or anything? What is it exactly that you're proclaiming? You hear me? By the power of the Holy Spirit, we are changed by God to love like Jesus. That's what we proclaim and that's how we proclaim. First Peter chapter 2. Dear friends, I urge you as aliens and strangers in the world to abstain from sinful desires which war against your soul. Live such good lives among the pagans that though they accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds and glorify God. We're God's church. And we're not asking people to accept our orthodox theology. We're not arguing for a systematic set of beliefs and practices. We're not proclaiming a new set of rules and commands that people need to follow if they want to avoid hell. We are proclaiming with our lips and with our lives the kingdom of God and the lordship of Jesus. Now, rules do matter, okay? Let me iterate that. The commandments are important. Laws and commands are not the main thing to a transformed life, but they are important. I would say that the rules and the, and the commands are like guides to keep us on the path while we're figuring out how to fully submit our lives to Jesus. Okay? So like, you know, when they build a highway... The intent is when they build a highway that you and I and everybody, we're going to stay on our sides of the road and we're going to stay in complete control of our cars, right? That's the intent. 
That's why they build highways. And for the most part, that works. But sometimes people lose concentration. Sometimes they fall asleep behind the wheel. Sometimes they're distracted by a dog in the back seat or that cell phone they shouldn't be on, right? Sometimes that happens. Sometimes a tire blows out or an engine part fails and the car goes off the road. Well, that's why they put that center barrier right down both sides of the highway. That's why they put those rumble strips on that yellow line on the shoulder. You know what I'm talking about? Now, they don't expect you to drive on the rumble strips. You know what that's like? Driving by Braille, that's what we call it. Get off that thing, right? You don't want to drive on the strip, and they don't want you bouncing down the guardrails as you get from point A to point B. The strips are there, and the guardrails are there in case you drift to get you back on path before you kill yourself or somebody else. We don't live in the commands of God through Christ. We don't live in the rules. I would even say we don't live by the rules. There is no law that's going to change us more into the image of Jesus Christ. It's only God's Holy Spirit. The laws and the commands are there in case we drift to get us back before we destroy ourselves or somebody else. The point is to submit to the Lordship of Jesus Christ by the power of the Holy Spirit. Living a Holy Spirit life is not about keeping the rules. It's understanding that we live in a new age. What's old and corrupt, it's gone. It's fading and it's going away. What's new and eternal, it has come. And it is still coming. By the life and the death and the resurrection of Jesus, we live in a new reality. Jesus is Lord. God is fixing everything. And we proclaim that reality by our lives. We say to the world, hey, this is what it looks like. Come get in on this with us. 2 Corinthians 3 verse 17 says, The Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And we all reflect the Lord's glory and are being transformed into his likeness with ever-increasing glory, which comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. Now, you might be thinking, well, that's not me. That's, my life is too far gone. I'm in too much trouble. That's not me, Alan. That's not how I'm living. I'm too messed up. Maybe once or twice you've sat down at the kitchen table or you've stared out the window at work and you just thought, good gravy, how did I, how did I get into this place? What, what, what happened? What, what am I doing here? And you're not in a good place. And I'm sorry about that. I really am. But listen, part of the problem there is that all of us think we're supposed to have an undefeated season. You know, we all think our lives are supposed to be undefeated. We don't suffer any losses. We don't suffer any problems. We don't suffer any troubles. You know, other people have issues, not me. Other churches have problems, not my church. You know, everything's good. And my life is going to be perfect. And my family, I've got it all worked out. It's going to be great. I'm never going to get in trouble with my finances. My health is always going to be, I'm always going to take care of it. I'm never going to get sick or have an issue there. Uh, my life's going to be great. That doesn't happen. Can I get an amen? amen? That's not how it works. So I want you to think about Judah. Judah, the son of Jacob. Old Testament Judah, Genesis, right? His name means praise. Think about Judah. 
He had sex with his daughter-in-law. Says he didn't mean to. He thought she was a prostitute. Nice. (laughs) Judah has sex with his daughter-in-law, leaves behind his driver's license and keys accidentally, and gets busted. Huge scandal. King David, the glorious king of the United Nation of Israel, God's personally chosen king to lead his people, goes out and in a wild, crazy, godless weekend, breaks more than half the Ten Commandments. Think about Peter, the first disciple chosen by our Lord Jesus, left his nets, followed Christ, publicly betrayed him three times in front of God and everybody the night before his crucifixion. Imagine Peter, if he's in the room when they're putting the Bible together. Can you see Peter? Hey, can y'all leave out that stuff in the middle? (laughs) I mean, can, can you go from that story where I drop everything and follow Jesus and then just skip ahead to a couple of letters that I wrote and put those in the back, you know, but just, just skip all the stuff in the middle. King David, hey, would you mind, let's go from when God calls me a man after his own heart and where I kill Goliath and skip ahead to like the genealogy of Jesus where my name is mentioned a couple of times. And let's just skip all that stuff in the middle. Judah, right? Hey, can y'all just go from where I'm born in Genesis 29 and then just skip to that verse in Revelation that calls Jesus the Savior of the world, the Lion of Judah? Can y'all just leave all that stuff in the middle out? That stuff in the middle is not filler material. It is there to show us. It is there to teach us that God is fixing everything. If your life is not where it's supposed to be, hey, your life ain't over yet. It's not done. The good news of the gospel is that God is fixing everything through Jesus Christ. And if there's something broken in your life or something not right in your life, all it means is that God's not done yet. God is still shaping you. He is still working on you. He is still changing you and transforming you during this fifth act of his great story of salvation. God's Holy Spirit stands between you and where you are now and where you can be. God's Holy Spirit stands between what is and where you can be and what it could all mean. Listen to this. God's Holy Spirit today, right now, stands between what is and what won't ever be too. That's God's Holy Spirit. Your life can be a powerful proclamation of the kingdom of God. It can. He's not done with you yet. If things are still messed up with you, That's good news, actually, because he's still at work. And your life can be that proclamation, not by your own power, right? But by the power of God's spirit and by the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Y'all stand with me. Ruth, thank you, sister. I love you, girl. Stand up. Let's pray together, please. Let's talk to the Lord. Father, thank you. Thank you for your spirit. Your spirit lives inside us. We don't know how that works, but we believe it and we trust it. And Father, you're changing us. May we be open to that. May we pay attention to that. Father, all of us are broken. There's not a one of us who's had an undefeated season. We've all suffered losses. Father, we want to lift those up to you now. We want to acknowledge those things. God, this morning I'm particularly thinking about the areas of sex, 
and marriage, the areas of money, and the areas of power. God, listen to us right now as we lift up to you our confessions of where we are not perfect when it comes to marriage and sex and money and power. God, hear our confession. And Father, forgive us. You've promised us that in Jesus you're making everything right. May our lives proclaim that truth. Change us, God. Give us the courage and the faith and the boldness to be transformed by your spirit so we can declare your kingdom and the lordship of your son to your eternal glory and praise. In Jesus' name, all of God's people say amen. Amen.